Skunk it. actually stands for without googling it without googling it yeah do you think it stands for massive mistake that's two m's it would be m m nightshot i've never realized it's his first name isn't it m is his first name yeah maybe it maybe it's like uh mary or something michael I've... michael nightshot see nah m because m night has a nice ring to it when you yeah. give it an actual name it's not Michael Knight. It's nowhere near as good. Michael yeah, Knight. I'm. I don't think because like his his Knight and Shyamalan, which I can't actually say properly. Um, they're like like sort of bizarre names. So they you can't imagine M something like Michael. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be something. Something just as something cool and exotic. Yeah, something as just as exotic as the other two names. Mm, just like his personality. <laughs> like his personality. Mm. Yeah. We are. Uh, we just watched the village. Yeah. Welcome to uh, second opinion. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> are you just gonna you just, you just laugh through my introduction? No, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm commandeering this this vessel. Yeah, I'm All just right. gonna do it the way I want to do it. You do your introduction. No, you do your introduction, Danny. You're good at. It. Oh, now I'm better. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, people of Peopleton? Welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Danny Jones, and the co-host. The man wearing headphones and looking at me with long and loving eyes, as he so should. Always, Danny. Scott Morrison. Always. Always. How are you? Not too bad. And you? Yeah, I'm good. That's good. good. Good podcast right there. <laughs> we, uh... Yeah, we watched The Village. We watched The Village, as, as we've discussed Yeah, previously. that's what we're doing today. Yeah. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the podcast, if you're just trying, this is your first episode. Yeah. Well, if this is our first audio this is our first audio formatted episode formatted episode with the yeah. format the idea is uh, we watch a beloved or hated film one of us defends it the other attacks it um sometimes that can be arbitrary to whether we actually like or dislike the film but um you know it's a it's a living in this case i'm I'm in a fun position where i'm one of the i feel like i'm one of the few people on the planet who really enjoys the village and i'm one of the few people on the planet who hasn't seen the village until until now about 30 seconds ago when yeah we finished watching it we just finished watching the village that's that's if you want in some context that's literally just us finished watching it yeah and yeah and now now we're here in scott's bedroom where it's warm and nice and... so this is just gonna be a nice thing of like you know when you come out of the film you're going to catch the bus home you're going to the pub or whatever you're talking about the movie chit-chatting what we're doing here it's so casual so casual it's so Danny. casual now let throw me... a bloody hashtag in front of that we're yeah, good to go hashtag casual now let me look at my notes i'm curious because we haven't spoke about it between from when we were through in the living room watching it no to we, now when we, we came moved. here in, in, in exact silence yeah <laughs> didn't even acknowledge each other no, didn't uh, speak. which is which to be fair outside of podcast form is our interactions with one another yeah silence yeah, we're arch nemesis, really. And it's wonderful. Which is so charismatic on audio. So charismatic. So I'll try, I will guess I'll start with summarising The Village. Uh, the Village is, uh, for all of you who don't know, by the way, this is spoilers, because there are a lot, big, big thing about The Village is its plot twists, so yeah. it's spoilers. It's a, about a, um, 
village of people. <laughs> so surprised to know. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a village of people who uh, who set in kind of like I don't know, like sort of Salem, sort of yeah, early American yeah. colonization, like that sort of time, and uh, they're isolated in the middle of a forest, which they are forbidden to go into because they have a truce with the creatures in the forest. Mm-hmm. And that's the synopsis of the film. That's pretty much, yeah, that's your, that's your kind of setup. So what... Because I talk up this film a lot. You have. Because it was more, more, as I said, because it's... I feel like every, everybody has that one film that no one else likes, but that you really, really like. And I, The Village is my one. Yeah. So I'm curious to know what you thought of it. What my real thoughts are. Because for this podcast, I have to attack it. That That's, yeah. that's the rules of the game that we play. But uh, my actual thoughts, I guess we'll get that to that at the end. I'm not going to... Right, gonna, okay. You know what? That's fine. So, it. from here on out until the end, you are firmly in the, it's a piece of shit. What are you thinking? You're yeah. off your nut. You're off your nut, mate. Cool. Well, I'm I'm happy to... I'm yeah. happy to... Shall we? Where should we start? I feel like I'm on the jury stand and you're about to be like, why do you like the village? You're wrong. And I'm just like, I'm just like oh, well, because it's because it's good to like it it's, it's pretty <laughs> uh me i'm uh, i'm all 12 angry men that's who i am <laughs> sophisticated joke for your <laughs> podcast sophisticated. For, all, for all of you who got it <laughs> oh yeah one of the one of the one of the best well-known movies of all time but i hope you got it <laughs> rock and roll um where do you want to start uh do you want to start with cast Oh well, I I think the ghost base is that we I, we watched a trailer before. That's probably a note. Right. Okay. Thing. So yeah, like I'll I'll get into that. Is like I feel that a big problem with the film is the way it was marketed. Because yeah. obviously M Night M Night Shyamalan, he'd come off Sixth Sense hmm. and Signs, hmm. which are both and Unbreakable, but it's kind of different. But like he kind of come off these horror films <clears throat> that were known for their big twists and stuff and. When they marketed it, they ver- you watch that trailer and it very much sells it as this is a horror film. And the whole focus of the trailer is on the monsters and the fact that there's monsters in the woods. And that's very scary. The, f- mon- the film, though, the monsters are very much not, not kind of a side point, but they're not the main premise. They're, of the not, they're like they're a not means focus. to an end. Yeah. yeah. With the, it's really more of like a very slow kind of period love story between these two characters ivy and lucius and um almost kind of it's about like an, a, a desperate attempt to preserve innocence and how difficult it is hmm. to do that and i just think it's a really beautiful film that was sold terribly so when people went to see it everyone was expecting scary monsters in the woods and oh my god it's crazy and nobody got that and i think that has a lot to do with people's initial reaction to the film is it's not it's not a horror film yeah it's not the trailer does extra like would lead you to believe that it's like a a mystical horror film Mm -hmm. and it's the mystery is who are the creatures Mm -hmm. what are they what's going on in this forest which is not at all if you watch it the mystery is yeah the mystery is especially anticlimactic if you're a horror fan and Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely 
um yeah it is a very very strange trailer it's hard to judge whether like is in like a, in my opinion like the trailer has, should have nothing to do with the film if it's standalone so it is kind of hard to judge that as a bad point of the film yeah. itself although it, it kind of it's a bad point in the marketing but it's even even as me who's attacking the film it's kind of not it's not really a thing to attack it for i mean it's ex- an example of how you can edit a trailer together to sell your movie as whatever you want it to be yeah really with the right shots and the right edits you, you can make it look like anything mm-hmm. um and i think that is a, a big place where the village suffered when it first came out because i have spoken to a few people who have rewatched it since then who are into it more yeah still not as much as me probably but because i like it a lot but um yeah cool uh, should we go into story? Go into in depth with story? Sure. Let's let's. Or let's... should we? Or should we go characters or, or not characters? No, you know what? Cast we, can, and... we can talk about the cast and the cast of characters. The cast of characters. As we discuss the plot. Cool. Well, so we open on this village, and it's, as I say, it's very sort of colonial uh, American, if that's real terminology for it. I'm mm. not a history buff. Um, yeah, and. Uh, it's just your typical village. They all have a, a grand old time eating food in, in the middle of the of the yard with all the long tables and everyone's having mm-hmm. fun. And then you get sounds in the background. It's like, oh, what's going on? And um, yeah, I, I'm, first of all, I'm starting to attack. The, uh, there are, the creatures of the forest are referred to those we don't speak of. Mm-hmm. And for creatures called those we don't speak of, they don't bloody shut up about them. <laughs> the teachers actually deliver a lesson on them. This is this is the tr- creatures we don't speak of. So here's my lesson on it. And everybody's everybody's on of them. It seems like the chat of the town is those we don't speak of. Okay, well, he isn't. I wouldn't say he's delivering a lesson on it. If you remember the scene before, he's he's questioning the kids about the monsters. It's because in that one of those opening scenes, they find. A dead animal that's been skinned lying on the thing like lying on the ground on the thing <laughs> lying on the ground on the thing called earth and um then in the next shot you know they're all like they're all like oh it was totally the monsters because they have big big scary claws and big teeth and they ripped it apart and he's like look guys chill out right it's probably just a coyote or something we're all good don't worry about it um i think the film does a lot in its opening moments it kind of sets up this looming threat by having the noise in the woods and then it kind of cuts to this montage where everything looks happy but nothing seems quite right you see the two girls sweeping the porch and then everyone's happy and then they notice the uh, red flower on the ground and they quickly scurry to bury it Um, and then we cut to a watchtower and there's a guy standing on the watchtower all dressed in yellow looking out over the woods and um it's all it all kind of presents that yeah life there looks wonderful and kind of sweet but there is this weird looming threat that's going on and um yeah i think in just that opening montage alone it kind of does a lot to set up the tone of the film yeah like there is a yeah i can and there's like a a tone to it yeah like um Mm. it's uh it's a very um it's very much the the first thing that can you you're hit with in the film. Very much see when you as soon as you uh, come in, there's something wrong. Like they they're having this, as I say, the the lovely dinner, and then there's um 
like noises in the forest. I'm like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. What are these noises? Which is why it's um, for the whole like first half, we say that this film's more of a a love story, and I get that. But like, um, it's almost too distracting to watch the love story because every time it go, goes back to this weird mystery story about what's going on with these yeah. creatures and stuff. So it's kind of because um, you you have. Um, you have Walking Phoenix's character, who um, making my way downtown, <laughs> walking fast. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, who's uh, wanting to leave the forest, and you have uh, the blind girl, who's um, Ivy. Ivy. Uh, she uh, she loves Walking Phoenix, and it's, that's a whole thing. And like it's a it's a, a sweet romance, and they have some moments, and it has some like perhaps I don't know if they're. Uh, to consider them two as actors to have great chemistry as part of the romance story. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's because the romance story wasn't engaging enough for me or whether because the mystery of what's happening to them is too interesting, but it's hard to focus on the love story when you just want them to cut back to what's going on with the forest. I think it depends which way you look at it. You're, you're obviously more interested in the monster side of it. For the first half, I was... In fact, for the whole film, I'm kind of way more invested in the drama between a lot of the characters and i find the romance quite fascinating because they're two very contrasting characters um on the one hand you have uh ivy who's clearly a very kind of a very caring character in the village i think the way they introduce her is perfect where you don't really see her until about 10 or so minutes into the film uh when her sister's crying and you uh, Ivy is sitting there comforting her and she starts quietly singing and the sister calms down and there's people in the doorway watching her sing and it kind of builds her up as this very yeah very caring nurturing character you see that with Noah as well the way she acts around him in kind of those opening scenes as well uh, whereas Lucius is very very closed off he says at one point he's like people are always pushing me to say more and um, I think she brings out the best in his character but it's done not necessarily done in a outlandish way there's that really good scene where she talks about how he used to hold her hand when they were young and then he stopped and she doesn't know why and then there's that scene when uh, everyone's panicking at the wedding and he doesn't say anything to her but she's trying to find her way out and he just grabs her hand and leads her out and i think that their relationship as well makes for it brings out th- things in each of them. Because, like I said, she's a very caring character. The first time you see her act aggressively towards anyone is after Noah stabs Lucius, um, which happens in the film. Yeah. Uh, and she walks in and starts repeatedly slapping Ooh. him until someone drags her out. Yeah, Noah is um, her, uh, um, I don't even know, the mentally handicapped um, yeah. little brother. Who, uh, after finding out um, Lucius, uh, Lucius, Lucius and Ivy, after they find out, uh, he finds out they're engaged. He goes and stabs Lucius. Yeah, because with Noah, there's that, there's is that kind of underlining thing of he's got a bit of a thing for her, but he obviously because of the way his he is, he doesn't quite understand what that that is. Hmm. Um. I think it's a very powerful scene when she goes in and starts hitting mm. him because it's like I said, it's the first time you really see her express any 
anger. I mean, just for the beginning, I don't think it's like a, the love story is bad by any point. I think the love story is interesting. But like when you put it in a film like this where there's this huge mystery that keeps coming up and it's not like it comes up at the beginning and then like it forgets about it because that could almost be a cool sort of uh, way to do the film. Like you bring up the thing as a looming background thing, but no one really talks about it. The people that um, you don't speak of are literally not spoke of. And then this drama thing happens. And you almost forget about the thing behind it. But like stuff does happen during it. Like they are having their romance. And then every so often these unlike um, deferred rabbits and dogs come out of nowhere. And there's one point where a creature crosses the borders um, to br that breaks this truce that um, mm -hmm. is supposed to have happened. And it goes through and then there's the love stories interwoven with that story. But at the end of the day, there's me there's me looking at this love story and going, This is interesting, but what the fuck are these creatures? You know, what what's going on with these creatures? I need I like I need to know why they're insulate um why they're um isolated into this village. What what's what is out there in the village. Yeah. I guess uh, I mean something I was thinking about is it's the way people thought about Lost back when Lost used to be on. There was kind of two very different people who watched Lost. There was the people who watched it for the characters and there was the people who watched it for the mystery. And I've always kind of stood by, the ending is not perfect, but I've always stood by, if you watched Lost for the mystery, you will be let down a little bit. But if you watched it for the characters, I think it's a very satisfying ending. And I kind of feel similarly about hmm. The Village. Okay. I can get behind that. I understand what you mean. I, yeah, as I say, overall, like the, the, the background story is kind of like something you kind of want to focus on. But um, I, I understand what, um, what you mean. So, yeah, they uh, they get engaged. Um, there's a creature that goes through. And we see the creature for the first time. Mm. Which you laughed at. Yeah, I did laugh out loud. <laughs> um, I was like, God damn it, Dave. I did laugh out loud because, like, if you haven't seen The Village, the creature is he's almost, it's almost a Doctor Who villain. Yeah. The way it looks. It's a... Because it's, it's very prosthetic heavy. It's very prosthetic heavy. Um, it's humanoid with a red cloak and it's like a hedgehog crossed with a pig. Um, <laughs> and that's, yeah, if you imagine that and you think it looks silly, that's because it looks silly. Yeah. And suddenly, especially this bright red hood, it's very, very, very surreal. Especially because like the first couple of times that the monsters indicate it's there, you don't see it. And obviously that's the trope of horror is that you... Uh, you imagine something more horrible if you don't see it. And then you see it and then you realise what you imagined was more horrible than cloaked hedgehog hog. Mm -hmm. See what I did there? See, I quite like the look of the monster. It's this kind of big, lumbering, just hot, weird looking thing that's kind of, for the first half of the film, is kind of always cloaked. and I just, I, 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 I like the look of it a lot. Um, I thought it was very, very. I thought it was very, very silly, especially for this. Yeah. What was, uh, as you say, is almost like a period drama for then this thing to walk on, as if it's just. But how, it's like, I sorry, mean, I was meant to be on the Star Trek set. <laughs> if I, if I, I knew I should have taken a left, not a right. Oh. But I mean, I guess how, how else could they have looked? Like, how would, what would have to you, what what would have been a better look? Not a bright red cloak <laughs> with a hedge. I like. I don't. I like designer. Like you get something like um, uh, the xenomorphs from Alien. You go, they're threatening looking things. And I know that they're supposed to be aliens as a different thing. That means I think you can do prosthetic sort of practical effects, still make it look intimidating. Mm -hmm. I think you needed something overly worldly because when you see a humanoid like that, you think 
oh, it's a man in a costume. The whole thing of like the xenomorphs and alien is that they were designed to make it not look like it was a man in a costume mm. while still being a man in a costume. And that's what makes alien look otherworldly. And maybe like, especially if you were making these creatures that like live in the forest, you would kind of want to make them otherly worldly. I think you would rather want to make them something different, something strange. And when you look at it, it looks, it just looks like a man wearing a costume. Mm. That's what it looks like. Well, I would offer you up this then. Let's get to the first twist in the context of the film. Are we going to we'll jump into the first twist? Well, because I think it's important for just now. In the context of the film, it is a man in a costume. Mm. Yes. Yes. Um, I like... I can understand that in that twist sense. But when you're watching the film from, like, mm. linearly... Linearly? Linearly? <laughs> Good use can, of words. Can we make a list of words <laughs> I can't say? M. Night Shyamalan, Lily. Um, when you're watching it, you are to believe that these monsters are real mm-hmm. and that they're um, like scary creatures that they've got to stay away with. And they're so scary that they can't fight back because these are human beings. Human beings are destructive creatures. Mm-hmm. We know that. We're so destructive. We're great at it. Um, we have a certificate and everything. Um, <laughs> we all hang it on our walls. Yeah. <laughs> the president's got one. Yeah, so. signed by God. He's like, you, did a good, <laughs> you did a good job. Um, so like, it's something that uh, like we can't fight. And that these this well this village can't fight, and this village as a result has decided to um, just give in and just uh, right we won't cross your borders if you don't cross mine. I know with the plot twist that that's the intention, but like with when you went up to that film at that point, you're led to believe that they're real. But then if they did look otherworldly, as you were saying, when it is revealed that it's been men in costumes this whole time, then wouldn't you be like, well, how the hell did they? Get them a look like that if it's just men in Fair costumes. Fair enough. Fair enough. I see what you're saying, but like, I till, feel like there's there's no winning there. <laughs> to, to, till then, you are to like till then it seems almost like uh, it seems strange because it's yeah. like, it's like it's part of the reason like you might be able to figure out the plot twist before it happens because mm-hmm. hey those um, creatures look like men in costumes. I wonder. Let's not be crazy here. If it's men in costumes, <laughs> you um, figured out the twist quite early. Yeah. Which I mean, I, I I don't remember the first time I saw this film. It was a very long time ago, so I don't. I imagine I was too young to have figured out the twist as quickly. I did write it down about halfway through, and I was like, "Would it though?" Because I thought it was kind of lame. The twist. Are we going to go into the twist? I well, I think, I, I think well, I'll, I'll run through the story till then. Um, I'll run through the story till then. Um, the um, Noah, the uh, mentally handicapped man, is a. Uh, Stabs um, Lucius. Uh, Lucius. Lucius, sorry. Another word I can't say. Let's put it down. <laughs> Lucius. Let's get dyslexic anonymous <laughs> to help me out here. Support me. Uh, and he needs some sort of, uh, he needs medicine. So Ivy, the blind girl, uh, who's once is like engaged to him, wants to go outside the village where it's forbidden mm-hmm. to go to the other towns to get medicine. So... She is taken by her father, William Hurt, mm-hmm. um, who bloody outstanding. He is in he's, this film. Uh, he he is is he's good. Um, that's I can't I can't fight I can't fight William Hurt on this one. He is absolutely incredible in this film. Ooh. Some of the moments that he gets, in particular, when the the scenery is trying to, when he tells the elders that he's letting Ivy go off into the woods. And they're confronting him on it, and he's defending himself. Is phenomenal hmm. delivery. Like you really do believe 
that he's sending his own daughter off into the woods. Um, I think it's incredible. Um, I I can't argue with William Howell this one. I can't I can't make any he, bad point that ma- that when because they're talking sort of old English in this film. That man was he should just speak like that. All the time. <laughs> it sounds incredible. Old English coming out of William Hurt's voice. Like, he makes it sound natural, which yeah. Compared to the other actors, aside from Brendan Gleeson, maybe most of the I, other acting, it sounds weird coming out of most of their mouths. I one hundred percent agree with you. The I did, I think that the older, kind of more experienced actors handle that dialect and that speech much better than some of the younger actors. I um, uh, for I do actually think he's a good actor, but for all of the credit I can get Walking Phoenix, he he didn't suit this language. Mm-hmm. There was certain lines that just it was like it did it didn't feel like he was saying them. It felt like a, a play. It felt like it was mm-hmm. staged. It felt it suddenly you were drawn out the moment. Like in Walking Phoenix was saying all these weird lines and you were just like, I can't I don't know, it's something strange about the way he says it. Mm-hmm. Um some of these absurd language and that just doesn't sound quite right coming out of them. Like the older ones, as I say, like Brendan Gleeson and stuff. He he nails it, but um, and especially William Hurt. So William Hurt takes uh, Ivy down to a shed at the very end of the village. Takes her down to the river. <laughs> takes her down to the river. Uh, drops her in the water. That's another oh. obscure reference. <laughs> um, Get on with it. <laughs> Wait for it. Yeah, Ooh, beer. <sighs> Getting on that, mate. We're not drinkers. <laughs> um, yeah, he takes her. Yeah, takes her down to takes her down to the shed. And that rest. sounds like a whole other movie. On yeah, there. <laughs> take you out to the shed. <laughs> it's like a room situation there, um, and shows her that the creatures, the hedgehog hogs, are actually costumes, as mentioned. That's the big twist of this, which. If you were looking for a horror film, is very anticlimactic that the horrible monsters' horrificness of all horror is actually some old people yeah, wearing to just the be cloaks. Blatantly told, like, yeah, those monsters you were hoping for, nah, <laughs> took those right away from you. Mm. So that's that's the first of what is quite actually many plot twists in this film. <laughs> There's quite a few. There's quite a few that's just sort of. Um, yeah, that's the that's the twist, and that gives you a lot to think about when you're like, because like before this twist, I, I was so confused about this world because there's these creatures who have no distinguished way of talking, as you're led to believe when you don't believe they're human beings, and there's such words thrown around like truce. They have a truce, and they have these wooden posts, and they go, well, we we won't go to the forest if they won't go into the village, and watching it to begin with, I was like, how did they come to this truce yeah. with these creatures that don't talk yeah. that's a very confusing world you live in because like just sign language throw stuff at each other until they figure out where the where is these posts where they put posts in to mark the border of the village and the forest where how do they know where it ends how did they negotiate that uh obviously when you go to plot twist it was made up by the elders yeah because that's that's the thing is um when you hear people describing the monsters and the things they have to do it all sounds silly it's all yeah. ridiculous but but the the younger the younger people in the village describe it with such like belief because they've been raised to believe that that is fact mm. like as far as they're concerned there are 100 percent these monsters that live out in the woods doesn't sound crazy to them because they've not been brought up to believe yeah they're, bu- they're brought else. up in this world and so 
like I think one of the best scenes from the film which I think we both laughed at for maybe different reasons is when they're going into the woods and the guy's like what what are we doing like how can we do this and she's like don't worry we've got the magic rocks they'll keep us safe and he's like the fuck haven't we heard of these rocks before <laughs> and magic rock is it's do, a beautiful moment it's I think a beautiful it is, line yeah I think it is that thing where they they, they can just make up anything hmm. because it's all bullshit so they can just make up as they go along and I think that it's it's interesting as well I guess it, it's interesting when you've seen the film more than once watching the elders react to things that they know is bullshit like they know it's them like oh the, the monsters came and attacked us and they're all up there and they're, they're all acting very concerned and stuff but they know it was them they know it was bullshit but then when you get to later on when the animals are being skinned and hung up in people's doorways, that's when you kind of see them like, oh shit, <laughs> something real's going on here. <laughs> uh, one thing that I would question about this plot twist that really confused me, and I'm not sure if there's an answer, maybe there's an answer, maybe you're about <laughs> to tell me the answer. Okay. What's up with the forbidden colour? What's with that specific bullshit why again why? i think it's just more it's just more adding to the the lore to the lore yeah so it's very specific you can't red isn't allowed to be anywhere in the village because the creatures don't like red but the creatures are made up by the elders so just the elders just like fuck it we don't we uh, really yeah. like, the, they're all sitting around they're like well, what else could we do? Willie, fucking tell them, tell them red. It's like, oh, Barry, where's that stupid fucking red fez all the time? I hate that thing. Let's just let's just come up with a rule to get rid of it. And then they're like, oh yeah, Barry, we've said that red's not allowed. He's like, son of a bitch, <laughs> throws his fez down in anger. Or or maybe Willie Hurt's just colorblind and he just can't see red and he's just so <laughs> he's like, so envious. If I can't see red, no one will see red. Um, that was him seeing red about everyone else seeing red. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't... I don't, like, I wondered if there was a specific explanation to why, because I was... Or even maybe there is, plot I, twist, I can't offer you one. May, maybe there's a, a symbolic reason or something like that, but it just seemed a very, very bizarre added extra. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I just, I just thought that was a very, very strange part of the plot twist. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I guess, I, I, yeah, I don't see it as... I don't question it any more than any of the other things that they make people do really to do with the monsters. You know, I mean, I mean, they have people sitting up in watchtowers every night. Yeah. To like watch... they make you, but that's it. They make people go sit in watchtowers, whereas they could just be like, just don't worry about it because they can do that because there's no one. I don't know, they get, instead, they're adding to that kind of, they're trying to make the story as real as they possibly can. I suppose with watchtowers, there's a logicalness to it. Like, uh, yeah, watch that's... out for the monsters with the watchtowers and don't make them um, monsters angry with the colour red mm-hmm. um, I don't know I feel like there's a more of a logicness and I guess you can look at it as these people have grown up on these mythologies so they're not going to question it but as a viewer you're just kind of like why red why red what's going on here why red I never really I never really thought that I, qu- I was I was thoroughly questioning it also <laughs> so to get the medicine from the other towns, William Hurt has to tell his daughter that it's all it's all fake. Mm-hmm. The monsters are all fake. And that they wanted to isolate the village from the uh, horrible world that they describe where everyone dies and stuff in this horrible world. So um, he goes, right, all right, so uh, uh, you can go get your medicine if you go on your own. 
my blind daughter. Well, he does initially send her. With no, two well, yeah, he sends two people till she gets to the hidden road. Then she must walk alone. He is like, regardless, sending his daughter, his blind daughter, alone. And um, by the way, there's a I got I got a great quote in my um, notes that Ivy says this uh, blind girl. She says, <laughs> "I see the world," but she says it in the sense of the same way as I see dead people. Okay. So I thought that was a nice reference back. But what should we call that or, his own filmography? Um, William Hurt's. Um, his uh, response to sending his blind daughter when, when his I think it's his one of the other elders goes but she's blind how'd she get there he goes the she is led by love the world moves for love it yeah. kneels before it in awe next scene she falls down a pit <laughs> <laughs> fuck you love she bloody climbs out of it though doesn't she oh yeah that's great how else it? was she gonna bloody make the monster <laughs> fall down the hole she had to fall down the hole herself she had to learn by doing <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think maybe I think maybe the reason this could be bullshit that she goes herself is the same reason that they, in their kind of fake story to do with the monsters, they believe that she'll be okay to go on her own because the monsters will take pity on her because she's blind. I have a feeling that they have similar thinking in terms of that with the way the people in the town will act, react to her because okay. she is blind they'll be more inclined to kind of take pity on her and help her. I think that's their thinking. But she still has to find this hidden road, which must be really hard if you're blind. Uh, yeah, Danny, but she's led by love. So, like, whatever, don't even... <laughs> Fucking love gets her down the foot. And then, and then once you get to the end of the road, you hit a wall. So, like, you have to climb... Oh, I don't know. We'll get to that plot twist in a minute. Yeah. Um, <sighs> so that's, that's absolutely mental. I've got a lot of uh, gibberish here about the first plot twist because I'm like, what? I'm the first not sure. Pl- the first plot twist I do... I, I, I mean, I feel like with both plot twists, either you go with it or you don't. You either, well, either, you either keep... You're like, okay, a little weird. I'll keep powering through. Or you just like, nah, it's, it's lost me completely. The monsters are fake bullshit. I feel like, like there's more than two plot twists. Because we're going... The right, two major ones. We're going and we're... Um, we're like, the creatures aren't real, so that's okay. She's walking through. She falls down. She almost falls down the pit. She climbs up. That's cool. And then repeated a line from earlier where William Hurt says, I read it in a history book. I hate that, yeah. I read um, the creatures in a history book. And you're like, wait, are the creatures real? Is this uh, is the plot twist that the first plot twist isn't real? <laughs> And you're like, and then suddenly you see a creature and you go, oh, it looks silly again, whatever. <laughs> and you're like, well, was this, the creatures are real. So that's, it's also really weird that their costume looks exactly like the real creatures that are out there. But I guess, you're like, oh my God, there's a real creature. So she's actually in danger here. She's actually in danger. Then uh, we have a third plot twist, which is that the second plot twist about the first plot twist being wrong is actually wrong itself. So we're going in a real loop with these plot twists <laughs> where we've gone around so many corners. We're actually back to the original yeah. plot twist, which is that the creatures aren't real. I hope you'll keep it up. I'm I've got a diagram to... here if you need it. <laughs> Audio only. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's this. Uh, the third plot twist is very, very mind-bending. Uh, mind yeah. And uh, you then realise that the creature that you think is real is actually Noah, mm-hmm. who's escaped... With a costume they keep under the floorboards, which is really convenient that he they kept it under the floorboards of the room he gets locked in. It's the fact that they, in case the audience doesn't get it, she's like, 
oh my god he found the costume we kept under the floorboards it's like oh the floorboards are like we would have got that we would have we would have we would have put two and two together we're not thick um so yeah Um, i'll give you something i don't know i don't know if you've got this but i i kind of noted it the way i really do wish because they kind of jump around a lot in the kind of middle exposition stuff they'll like like they show you william hurt go to confront the other elders they show you the first line and then they cut away for a while and then come back to it later and of course they do the same with when she goes to the when he takes her to the shed Hmm. do your very do your very best not to scream cuts away for five minutes as we see her knocking about in the woods and then cuts back to him being like they're fake here's here's the thing it, the, th- the film does it is almost like you you've forgotten that she has yet to look at the shed and yeah. you're like no i actually really want to know what's in that shed yeah. but um they show you that the monsters aren't real they show you that it's costumes and then in the next scene is when she confronts the is when she confronts the noah dressed in the costume why didn't they just show the bit where William Hurt's like they're fake, they're 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 not real? Why didn't they show that after that scene instead of before it? Because then there's that kind of thing in the back of your head where she's it's like you said how they're like, oh there were rumors of real monsters, so you're like oh shit are the monsters real? And then it turns out that again like no they're not real. If they had just left that reveal until after she fights mm. Noah. You wouldn't have had that in the back of your head. And I think that would have made for a way better twist than this kind of thing where he does a twist and then, like you said, tries to kind of double back on it yeah, and then goes back to the original. It's it's very bizarrely put together. The it's, twist is it's a, it's like a long way for a shortcut. You go in a very, very weird detour mm-hmm. to come back to where you mm-hmm. started without learning anything and without really anything. It just seems like if they just took that scene where William Hurt reveals it and instead of putting it before the confrontation just put it after Mm. all the problems would have been solved and how nobody in editing pointed that out blows my mind (laughs) it's just so elaborate and you're just just, yeah you're trying to keep up with a diagram Um, then (laughs) we go on to then (laughs) my favourite twist in which it's the least, it's the, it's the least <laughs> good twist. What's that? I mean, it's the least good. That's a long way least for a shortcut. Double negatives. I think it's my favorite twist because it's the worst twist. <laughs> she gets to the wall mm-hmm. and uh, she climbed over, it. and then we cut back to these hidden boxes that have been throughout the film, which are very, um, very, very reminding me of J.J. Abrams' mystery box. And go, what's in the box? And when he did that TED talk, what's in know? the box? What's in the box? Well, I, I actually wrote down what's in the box <laughs> in uh, big capital letters. Do you feel you had your questions answered in that scene when they open the box and show you what's inside it? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was actually something I, I was thinking about at the very beginning of the film. I even mentioned it. I was like, because like, they're a village that are isolated from the outside world. They, um, you don't know what time it is out in the outside world. Mm-hmm. You like I I presume they were just like a a normal village who was isolated off and maybe uh, like there's a possibility that their technology hasn't developed so fast but uh, I was wrong by that twist mm-hmm. um, but like the t- um, like the timeline outside because when they open the box you find that the elders were actually in what like the sixties the seventies they yeah. lived in the sixties and seventies in like pr- um, near enough present day 
and then they start they went and started this village and when she climbs over the wall she finds herself in modern day which is a <laughs> very very surreal twist very 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 strange twist yeah um for so many reasons and it's almost a, a looking at my notes here going where do i start go for it right because because the, this is the thing we were we were watching the film and i i do like the film a lot but we were watching it and we got to the point where they she hits the the, the hedge and then they open the box and i turned to you and i was like i wish it ended here <laughs> because now we have to watch the stupid weird bit where it's modern day it's like the um the tim burton um planet of the apes twist at the end yeah. he's like the film it's a bad film he's not not it's not a good film by any stretch of imagination and then mark uh Wahlberg, i think it is Marky he, he goes um he goes back to the present day in fact, like you should have stopped there to at least have had just a mediocre film. Because the last bit of that Planet <laughs> Ace film is such absolute random nonsense. Yeah. That you're scratching your head going, how does any of it make sense? And when I go to modern day, the modern day thing itself is... Um, the fact they're in the modern day, it's strange. But what I find most strange is William Hurt's character. Because okay. he designed this idea. I have an idea. I'd he like had an idea about... about um, taking this um, piece of land, which he presumably owns mm -hmm. as a history teacher, always owning <laughs> huge pieces always of land with huge land. bits of forest. That makes him a lord. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a lord <laughs> and a history teacher. He owned this bit of land, came in, built these buildings, and made everything specifically, period, to <sighs> accommodate his sick fetish. <laughs> Because everything is period. Even the way they speak. He'd gone to these random strangers like, in the middle day. Brendan Gleeson. Excuse me, Mr. <laughs> Brendan Gleeson. Would you like to come to my village? Oh, that sounds like a cool idea. Let's have a let's have a uh, isolated village from the rest of the world so we don't get infected by their evils. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My favorite thing <laughs> is we have to talk old timey. He's like, what are you talking about? You have to talk old timey. You have to. He's like, but what if the younger what if the younger people can't do that? No, no, no. We'll teach them. Don't worry. We have to. He's like, all right, okay, okay, okay. We'll have to talk. Okay. This is this is the kind of world you designed you want old timey is there anything else yeah yeah we've all got to wear old timey clothes <laughs> why have we got to wear old timey clothes why can't, why can't where we, we wear, gonna, where are we going to get these clothes why, why can't we wear jeans what's wrong with that like it's not like the people the kids growing up are going to go hang on a second here um <laughs> why are we wearing jeans that's not period it's not like they're gonna, if, if they're wearing jeans they're not going to question it because their whole life they've known jeans they said, no, no 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 we're gonna have to all wear period clothing all right, okay, right. Okay, I'm not quite sure. Okay, okay. I'm going to be fine with that. I'm fine. Oh, we're not going to have any advanced medicine. We're not going to have any technology. Fuck your TVs or radios and whatever. I don't really care. We're not going to have any of that. All right, okay, I'm really starting to really starting to be unsold on your village idea. Also, we're all going to dress up as these weird hedgehog hogs. <laughs> Hang on a second. Are you in? Are you are you okay? So as are you trying to person? say you wouldn't have been on board? <laughs> I don't know why the other elders agreed to this because it's so elaborate. So uh, the history, they have to speak so, they have to dress so, they have to, all this technology. I would say the best I could come up with for the clothing is that they can make the, the make those clothes themselves. They can't make mm. jeans. It doesn't have to be so period. It doesn't have to I be do so. Get, I really wish that if they really did have to go with that twist at the end, it wasn't 
it wasn't the 2000s. If it had been like the 70s or something. Yeah. I think I'd have been more into it. So you would kind of establish that like, they started this thing back in the 30s. And they've been going 40 years in this village. Or yeah. I, I think that because that. Ra- that raises less questions about like what you said. It raises less questions about the way that they live hmm. because they would live more, obviously not exactly like that. But it would be a bit more like it. It would make a bit more sense. And... It'll make it be, make a little bit more sense than this, which really involves a history teacher who's able. I suppose they could all pitch in and buy this land, um, but it also how much do you think it costs? Well, like, it's because it's not just <laughs> what the land costs, but they've also got security, mm. like, defending the borders of it. I'm not sure if the security is there specifically to defend them. It's not. It's there to the nature preserve. Yeah. Are they government funded? Again, if they're government funded, I suppose that's not too bad. What? There's the... I don't know. I feel like there's... um. Yeah, there's a lot of money thrown behind this. Yeah, it, it, that's it, come from these. What's it's essentially a group of seven people who had average jobs. Average jobs <laughs> are enough that their family seemed to get shot all the time, yeah. raped, and in this town and stuff. If Perhaps, you, well, if the, the reason that they're all together is because they go to a counselling service for people who have had family members murdered. Okay, I missed like, that. Bit. That's yeah. Um. It's so elaborate. Look, if you start getting into the minutiae... They got a no-fly all... zone on it. How did they get a no-fly zone on a nature preserve? It's, if you'd gone you've, got of, me, you've got me stumped. You go, go back to say, like, if it was to come out the 70s or something. You can almost get behind that, kind of, I suppose. But they're at the time where Google Maps is starting. Yeah. Look at a Google Maps and somebody Satellite, scrolling through. Like, what's this about? Yeah, what's this? This what's this sick fetish that's going yeah. on? <laughs> this is these village people dressed up as if it's Salem times. What is, what is going on here? Uh, it's it's a very very. I feel like it turns the film into a very very dark fantasy about women, uh, <laughs> about a history teacher about like, a history teacher who just really like, really oh, yeah. really wanted to go back in time, <laughs> so decided to create all these random stuff. It's such a strange film when you turn it into that when you it's a cult you've really yeah you've really got me there i can't i can't defend it in any way it's so it just seems stupid and you're right and it raises all these questions and then two minutes later the film cuts to black yeah (laughs) i can um the thing the strange thing is the uh, last bit with the elders because the elders are like shall we keep this going See, I, I, yeah, and you didn't like that they don't directly respond to him. Then it's not that because it like it kind of keeps it ambiguous. Because if you were to go, they want to keep it going on. They want to keep this monster going on. First of all, the elders don't really get a comeuppance because I feel like what they're doing is explicitly bad. I feel like they're depriving people of like, uh, like, like they're kind of trapping people. They've almost kidnapped them into yeah. this almost like a cult thing. Because, like, when this scene happens, when he's like, shall we keep this going on? Do you guys want to keep it going on? They stand up. And it's to inspirational music. And it's like, yeah, we should keep it going on. And it's a very strange ending to what's a very strange film. Like, because, like, I don't know, it seems like they're bad people for doing it. Yeah. I... Yeah, I guess you're right. Like... They really, sh- but then I don't necessarily know if the film ever specifically says that what they're doing is a bad thing. 
Well, like in my personal opinion, it is. In your opinion, it might be. But they also got in to bloody Shyamalan's. He thinks he's he thinks he's doing. Because we start off with Brendan Gleeson, who's one of the elders. We st- the whole first sequence is his son has died for lack of medicine. Crazy name, wasn't it, on the gravestone? Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know whether to be insulted or um, really honoured by that. Because the first thing that happens in the film that I'm trying to hate is that it says Daniel Nicholson is dead. This is kind of elaborate because <laughs> obviously my birth name is Daniel Nicholson. And yep. it's even spelt right. It's the right spelling of Nicholson. Yep. And that's horrible to tell me I'm dead and remind me a couple of times Just during the film. But it, but they forget Daniel. But they do say I'm related to Brendan Gleeson in that's the film, cool. which I'm pretty on board with. I mean, you could hang out with Star Wars guy. Donald Gleeson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Or just hang out with Brendan Gleeson. Or just hang out with Brendan Gleeson. Because he's true. awesome. You he's... guys could remake in Bruges together. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like he, he's there that, against that his will. Like, that sounds like a sick history teacher's fantasy. <laughs> we have to be in Bruges and you can't go out otherwise. You kidnapped Brendan Gleeson. You're like, we're going to remake it. We're not even going to remake it. We're just going to reenact it. It's going to be great. <laughs> There's no cameras. That means you get killed at the end. That means I have to throw you off a building. Though. Um... Well, I, I pay. I play uh, Colin Farrell yeah. and Ralph Fiennes' part. I'm both. Every scene, I'm there. I mean, I'm even the person who owns the the um the, 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 the inn. Oh yeah, the inn. Yeah. So um, you can fuck off. Uh, yeah, but like his son dies. His son, and I'm, you're led to believe in the film that his son's really, really young. Mm-hmm. And Brendan Gleeson's aware of a modern world of modern medicine, but he lets his son die, mm-hmm. which is really strange. Like, because it means he's got this almost unhealthy, sick commitment to this sort of... I'm going to keep using the word cult because I feel it is a cult. (laughs) It's a cult that they've been believed. They're believed to, like, mythical creatures. They're they're trapped against their will. They're brainwashed. They're in a cult. Yeah. And he's got such a commitment to his cult that he's letting his son die. And he's, like, crying on the grave. And you think it's an emotional thing. But in retrospect, you go, no, why didn't you fucking go and get medicine? Like you could have, like you're in charge of the bullshit. You could have gone. Brendan Gleeson is uh, immune to the creatures of the forest for, for a day, for like a day yeah. so, and he comes back. He's oh. got the magic uh, fucking. Uh, he's got the magic leaves. He's covered in yeah. leaves. They're magic. It's fine. <laughs> so he could have done that. I do. Yeah, I guess. Uh, there's something to say. Wow. Why is no, Brendan? <laughs> um yeah i guess you're right that you i i don't like this podcast anymore danny i don't like it because you've taken a film that i really like and you've made me question it and i'm like yeah it's a bit fucking stupid isn't it it's just the it's this last plot twist is so bizarre it make maybe it's because you're right because it answers so it ask makes you ask so many questions and then cuts you off yeah and there's no sort of um there's like a vague explanation. It's like, oh, it's a no-fly zone, so they wouldn't have ever seen aeroplanes. And, um, like, I don't know, just like, feels like there was there never like any teenagers who jumped over the fence in all those years and were just like, I wonder where this is, and go through it. Oh, Salem, what's going on? There's never, there feels like there could be loads of elaborate things that would have could have happened, and and there's so, there's so much commitment before these elders plus these elders seem to have a lot of kids they're at this village when you get to those tables that's heavily populated and the elders themselves are about there's about seven of them or something yeah. like that they were like they were they must have got really bored of their own fetish really quickly um because they were like they were really into having kids yeah um yeah 
You've just... I like the bit when... Uh, this movie's not good, is it? I want to talk about the <laughs> ending one more time in um, relation to what you like about the film. Which I think is a good point of the film, is the love story. The love story, for all its um, uh, like good points and stuff, is totally disregarded by the end. I mean, mm. I know it's about her getting the medicine, and she does come back with the medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't ever walk in phoenix like you never see him again he, after you, he, gets he never has yeah. another line he never has another line he never says anything their love story isn't res- um resolved. isn't resolved so if you're in it for the love story you get screwed over by the end because like because because it's so weird that in in the beginning of the film the love story is the focus and the creatures are the background and when you come to the end the creature mystery is the focus and the love story is just gone it's just it's it's what's driving the plot but it to, for no reason it disappears yeah you're right i you should see my, like you can see my face but the <laughs> listeners can't i'm it's, just like it's uh, a destroyed man ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna shed a tear in a minute because like i've defended this film for so long and now i'm just like oh it's stupid and it doesn't make sense but you know uh, is there any more you want to say on the plot uh, I think I think I've exhausted all the things I can say about the plot. I don't think there's any more I can say about it. Um, is there any more you want to defend? <sighs> Fucking nah. <laughs> I got nothing. I mean, I defended you on. But to be fair, I defended you on. I mean, I I, I countered you on the monsters, and. The kind of opening and the love story and stuff. I feel, I like, feel like it's just when we've got to the twist ending. The first it half. all falls apart. And I said to you, I was like, the, tw- the the final twist ending is stupid and makes no sense. Like, it doesn't not make sense, but it's stupid and unnecessary, I think. What do you think of Shyamalan's cameo? It's quite self-indulgent, isn't it? It's very self-indulgent. He gives himself a reflection. Yeah. Like, that's how he's cameoed. It's very... And he do, you don't see his face directly. going to go, <gasps> that's nudging the people next to him like, that's him that's Shyamalan yeah I always think his cameos are strange I remember uh, briefly diverting into Signs in Signs he plays the uh, guy who kills yeah he has a very important role in Signs he play, he, he, but he's not just an important role but he gives himself the bad role he is the one who kills the um, Mel Gibson's Mel Gibson's wife. wife quite brutally so it's and like although the character's very remorse, like remorseful and stuff like that and he very much um regrets his decision he's kind of a, a almost i believe he, he was responsible for it somewhere he was doing maybe he was on his phone or something i feel i haven't seen signs for a very long time no, really. but like he is regretting and stuff like that but it's still a very dark character he gives himself uh this yeah he does give himself some strange cameos um it's yeah his cameo at the end's funny it's he also like you don't directly see his face except for a reflection which almost gives him like a feeling of just a presence at the yeah. end in the room it's almost like this just this presence of a person it's very very strange i loved when we were watching it and he said there's a scene there's a line where he says that was a very stressful time for me and you turned around and you're like mate you haven't even directed last airbender yet (laughs) (laughs) i am a quite funny person thank you for reminding me uh do you want to talk about cast I mean, what is there to say that we haven't already said, yeah. to be honest? William Hurt's on William point. Hurt's outstanding. He's Brendan, one of the main reasons yeah. I love the film. Brennan Gleeson also. Um, Walking Phoenix is good. I just feel like he struggles with the dialogue. He is a very quiet character. 
that. Yeah, and I feel like he, he plays that very well. But um, as a quiet character, he's very good at But when he actually speaks and has monologues and talks and stuff, it does seem very yeah. strange and out of place. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, that was her first ever role. She's really good. She's very good. Very good, yeah. Um, Adrian Brody. Yeah, that's like a <laughs> di- very different role. I wasn't for expecting. Like, I saw when he saw he come up the credits, like, oh, Adrian Brody's in this. It's like, wow because like when he first like when you when he first laughed at the noise he's very nicholas cage in that sense and you're like oh is he is he playing off the walls character and he obviously <laughs> is he, he, is, he, ob- he obviously is but it's like uh it's not it's not too oh uh, like hyperbole or anything yeah. like that it's very much um he's like he plays a mentally handicapped man but it's not it's not exaggerated or anything as far as that sort of thing would go yeah so um yeah he's he's, he's very he is good in it he's very good in it He's very strange and yeah. He's such an he's such like an important part of the film. And yet again it's one of these situations where he pops up and then disappears. Like when when he shows up at Joaquin's Phoenix door to shank him. You just you, you forgot his character you're, was you're, there. Yeah, you're kinda of like, oh shit, like Adrian Broden's here. Oh what oh he looks a bit pissed off. Oh, okay, so I guess is he in love with Oh, oh, he stabbed him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, this is it's going crazy. The, the scene where he's sitting on the rocking chair and he's covered in blood. He's like, it's a bad colour. That, that rocking chair, they fucking focus on that quite a few times. They love it's quite a few shots of just the rocking People chair. People sitting in rocking chairs, yeah. Um, they really, uh, like, they like, he must have really found, he found that rocking chair really cheap and thought, let's get the mm-hmm. fucking use out of this. It was a, it's in quite a lot of scenes. I am worrying as we come to the end of this discussion that the main reason I love this film is just for William Hurt. <laughs> I'm really starting to worry that. I'm but his like, character's oh. weird. Yeah, his character's but he, a cult he delivers all his dialogue so well that I forget about all that. Um, in terms of in terms of the kind of more technical aspects, Roger Deakins did the cinematography, and it is it is pretty something. It is it is a uh, it is bloody gorgeous. Um, he uses a lot of kind of respect for the outside stuff. It's very wide and uh, I remember when we were watching it there was one scene where William Hurt is talking to his daughter and you were like wow that all took place so far away yeah but it's I thought there was this kind of cool thing of how we were talking again about the looming danger from the woods is that scene's playing out and they're having this really nice conversation about how she's in love and in the background is just the woods like towering over this village um, and I think that's a really kind of good use of, of framing in that scene um, it kind of kind of goes to the point about the love story because like even that in that one shot there's um the there's a love story that's like the part of the love story is happening where it's um it's yeah it's uh it's Ivy's sister isn't it yeah uh, who's asking William Hurt for permission to ask Phoenix to to marry her and like the the love story is like the focus for the first half of the film but this one long shot shows you it's it made, the long shot makes it very impersonal it's not really it doesn't make it feel it's about the love story in that moment makes it about the impending forest mm-hmm. which is kind of like the thing about the love story in the first half of the film going back to what like yeah, I said what earlier saying, yeah. where like it feels like the love story is um, only to fill in time until you figure out what's happening with the forest mm-hmm. and that shot very much encompasses that and like uh, I do actually think it's a really well shot film mm-hmm. and stuff like that with the Lumen Forest in the background is really really cool but it does go to show that like the forest is more of the focus which is a shame because, as you say, there's a good love story in there, mm-hmm. and it would make a really cool period drama if you took it out of the um, 
the, the uh, modern day the to say, take out the modern day even take it out this isolated village yeah. even, even if you made a different reason for the village to be isolated there's a cool drama in here mm. but because you put it in this such mysterious film which has these so much horror that elements to it so many it, it yeah. may not just raises questions but it also distracts from the love story itself mm-hmm. um no i i would i would agree with that which you i've made very apparent because i'm speechless at this point um I, I think that in terms of the love story, there is the one scene, the scene where he, uh, when she puts her hand out the door and the monster's about to grab her and then she, he comes in and the music kicks in and it's shot, the camera's pulling back and they're running towards the camera and they go down the stairs in slow motion is beautiful. I will frankly. give you this and I can't attack this even remotely because the monster's kind of like, she, her hand's sticking out the door the monster's coming towards the hand. You see the monster looming towards it. And from the other side, like of the op- at the opposite side of the shot, um, um, Walking Phoenix grabs her hand. And it's very fluid, the, the editing mm-hmm. and the camera. Because like it just, it, she, he grabs it and without even hesitating, he brings her into the house. And it's very, it flows so well. And it's such a reading, like it's obviously from a story point of view, it's a really nice moment. Cause she's put blind faith in mm-hmm. um, the love of her life, finding her. And uh, he does, and then it comes like uh, from the story mode. But not only that, the editing and stuff—it's so fluid. And I'm supposed to be attacking this film. But I can't. No, you that can't. moment. That moment is so well done. And I always proves come that, back to that. Scene. Proves that, like maybe, maybe it is the cinematography. But there is like there is good filmmaking in M Night Shyamalan. There is good filmmaking he, in there. He, I think in his first batch of films, I, I don't think you can critique the filmmaking at no. all. Like there's holes you can poke in plot and stuff, but those that first kind of for even i mean i haven't seen lady in the water in a very long time so i'm not going to say even to an extent lady in the water but i would say those first four films that he did you cannot critique the filmmaking they're all his films are shot very very well and the 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 score and stuff like that is always perfect i think um and i mean he kind of not i mean the visit was very good yeah, we both really enjoyed the visit. I don't think he wrote the visit though, did he? I, I mean, like M Night Shyamalan, if uh, maybe Seems I'm like he wrote it. maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like he falls into the trap of thinking he's a writer and director when he's more of a director, which is the main thing you could say about Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott is a director, not really a writer. Yeah, uh, and when the films where he has a big influence on the story mm-hmm. are usually the films that are not the greatest. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that. I like, I'd have to double check all that, but I feel like. Like, Check your facts. I feel like Prometheus, he had a huge thing on this um, impact on the story, mm. and the Prometheus wasn't great. And The Martian, he didn't write the script at all. And The, the Martian is um, a very good film. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like M. Night Shyamalan, I'd have to, again, I'd have to check this because I'm not, I'm not, I don't remember if he wrote The Visit. Um, I don't remember which ones he wrote, but um, as I recall, the ones he doesn't write, or perhaps like after the first few he written, he's written he's more got to a point where he's not the best writer but he is a good director mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i would i would give you that definitely um something else on kind of a few more a few more cinematography points stood out just because just because yeah um he uses they, they use two shots a lot they utilize that bloody two shot like they will just frame it and they will have the two actors deliver their dialogue to one another and I, I think it works a lot of the time because it, it allows them to just let their dialogue 
and the scene kind of evolved naturally as opposed to constantly cutting back and forth between two kind of close um and i think it, it almost some scenes almost it, it's like you're watching a play hmm. because of the way it's all set and everything like a lot of the time you are just watching two people chatting in a room um and i, I, I don't know i think it it worked for a lot of the scenes i can agree um, with that. there was also the the scene when uh william hurt is again pitching the whole thing of like i've sent my blind daughter into the woods the way they shoot that it's almost as if the camera is kind of part of the crowd of people yeah. who are gathered around him the camera kind of weaves in and out of people and follows who's talking and it's really interesting i thought it was that seems such a powerful moment i know we were taking the piss out of it because it's like oh it's love it's fine but i think it's a very powerful scene and i think it works very well um also, just that kind of how dark the woods are, how brown the woods are. They're just like a, the void of any kind of hmm. color. Hmm. And so I think it makes for an incredible scene when she is standing in the field of red berries in the yellow coat against this brown background. It just makes for this incredible clash of like the three main colors of the film. And um, I liked it a lot. I like. I love the way the movie looks. I think it's... Yeah, I think, it's I think the movie does thing. look quite stunning. Um, if I had something to a more technical level, and this is kind of a story, but it's going back to like the technicality of the script, there are a few pointless scenes. There are very, very. So there's actually I didn't write them all down, but there's quite building up. There's quite a few scenes that seem to just establish what's already happened. There's one where um, it's straight after um, Ivy has uh, asked. Uh, what convenience to get married and they decided to get married mm. and there's a scene straight afterwards where they're finished in um, asking questions to this random person in the village and they you don't really hear the questions you've finished uh, arch, they've like finished asking the conversation's over so it's not really that, that the reason you've come to this scene and she goes is it true that I've heard that those two are getting married and they're like yeah, it is true. Like, oh, that's great. And carries on. Like, And there's the end of the scene. And you're like... I guess it's just... Um, <coughs> word spreads fast in the village. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it establishes much. There's a couple of times where they cut back to Walking Phoenix unconscious. And yeah, like, just to remind you, you that he's unconscious. <clears throat> yeah, you specifically brought um, that up. You're like, just to remind you that he's picking up his paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> that he's actually... He's actually... Um, yeah, he's actually doing something in this film. Even if it's for half of it, just lying down being... Um, pretty much dead yeah um the village itself is very they built that from the ground up like right. the whole village they just put it together and shot the film uh around there and i mean obviously I, it creates a very practical sense because it is practical they are hmm. hanging out in a village hanging out <laughs> <laughs> um and i think that um kind of that combined with the use of the old English talk and the period clothes and things, it really does create an authentic feel of that time period until you yeah. find out they're not in that time period at all. <laughs> and the authenticity is through the passion of a history teacher yeah. with a lot of money. But it's kind of that thing, you never, you never at any point feel like they're on a soundstage or a set. Or no. And it's always very much they are in these wooden cabins and houses that they've built. Um, and I think that's incredible. I think that's... That's really cool. Something that lacks sometimes in, in the old, old film roonies these days. <laughs> film roonies uh, And I'm also, this, I think, the score. Um, James Newton Howard's score 
is incredible. It, that kind of use of vi- like stringed instruments, especially the violins and stuff. I can't I can't argue that it's um it is incredible. It is a very authentic thing, uh, like score. It does feel very of the supposed period yeah. of time that they're supposed to be in. I think even just the use of there's some not unique, not incredibly interesting uses of sound, but there are some good moments. I think the scene when the children are gathered around the animal, and there's the sound of flies. And then as William Hurt comes to the realisation of like, we didn't fucking do that. The the sound the, the scene is just overpowered by the sound of flies and then it cuts out. Um, the bit after Joaquin Phoenix, uh, uh, Lucius has been stabbed and Ivy's trying to find him. And there's that, inc- that's, that really cool shot where she's walking to his house and she's counting yeah. the paces. And you, you know what's coming. Yeah. And it's devastating to watch her walk in there. And the sound, it's kind of just this drawn out kind of violin note that they're holding. And then she's going in the house and she's panicking and she's looking around. And the second she kicks him, again, the music just cuts out as you hit that realisation of like, oh, this is going to be devastating. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of, yeah, the, the creaking of the trees that's kind of ever present and the sounds of the monsters when they're walking about the woods, when you're kind of like, what the fuck is it? Like, is it just all in her head? These mm. noises? I guess it's that thing of like, you're on your own in the fucking scary woods. Any mm. sound's going to sound pretty terrifying. Especially if you're blind. Um, sorry, my phone's still on. I thought I'd turn that off. Um, oh, hello. Yeah, I, 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 I think the use of, there's not, not anything crazy unique or anything, but there's some, there's some cool uses of sound. Okay. Uh, is that is that the main points covered? I think so. Maybe we're going to an end. Right, let's, this is the segment I like to call Tell Us How You Really Feel. <laughs> and um, coming out of this attack in it, I actually think the first half of this film is really, really cool. And I do actually, don't. I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. I think the last plot twist especially really does create more <clears> questions <throat> than it answers. Um, and makes a really strange, like as I say, compares it to Planet of the Apes by Tim Burton, where you have a, a last plot point, like a plot twist that's like, what? Wait, what? What does any of that mean? Mm. But um, I'll give, like, I do give the film credit. I think it, as you say, technically it looks beautiful. It's um, like cinematography is really, really good. Um, the acting, like, I don't. There's, there's very few falters apart from maybe people struggling with the dialogue. I do think the film is like uh, it's technically good, and apart from a few like the plot twists at the end, when you're right up to them, it's, it is a really interesting and cool film. Mm. Yeah, I like it. Um, I don't like it as much <laughs> after this conversation. Is that something I'm going to have to deal with with this podcast? Like, if I like a film and you have to attack it, and I'm just going to hate because you got all that from like 30 seconds after we finished watching it. I've watched that film a bunch of times and I love it. Yeah. And it's, I've never even... I want to stick, um, point out that I've not read any reviews. I didn't even know the plot twist, which is quite impressive. I, I feel... See, I did wonder that. Cause no, earlier, I, didn't. Earlier, I didn't. Earlier on, I did mention someone about the plot twist and I was like, does he know? I don't want to ask if he knows because if I'm just like, oh, there's a twist, then it's like... I knew there was a plot twist yeah. in general, but I didn't know what it was. I kind of figured... I did figure like out before... I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. Like, I, <laughs> both the main plot twists, I was... Like, for the last one, I was somewhat aware that there's a possibility the time period might not be the um, set at the same time as them. I didn't know to what extent 
but uh, I kind of figured that. And there was like, uh, they aren't real. It kind of seemed that that might be where they were going with it. But um, uh, what's my point, Rachel? Yeah, like I haven't, I haven't read anything. Like I, I don't yeah, know yeah, why. You I don't. Into it very I don't just... know why people hate this film. Uh, I, I think just... you've summarized it more or less with cool. all those kind of points. I think that's people's main problem with it. Um, I, I, I still do like the film, though. Like I said, I think technically it's a very well put together film. I think it's a film that really gives a lot of very, very talented people a moment to kind of shine there's some very emotional moments and i think as kind of weirdly put together as it is my favorite segment of the film is that kind of exposition stuff in the middle with william hurt because i just like watching him act in this film yeah um and i think maybe that's the impress that's what what has been left with me with this film for a lot of time where i think about that stuff and how much i love it and that clouds my judgment with the rest of the film which is not great. No. Yeah. <laughs> the the last, especially, it almost feels like you could just make a cut where she goes and finds, like, she goes on the hidden road and then you just fade out and go, oh, well, she's guided by love, so she probably finds it. And you don't have to know the last 10 minutes of the film and all the confusion stuff. You mm-hmm. could have an edit where it ends there. But uh, no. We... I would like to see a village too, where we get the answers to all these questions. <laughs> Jinky'd come back, what's this, 12 years later? What, M. Night? M. Night, and he's like, we're going to bloody do Village Village 2. No, <laughs> no nobody liked it. <laughs> Who'd want a sequel? Yeah, I'd, I'd pay. I'd pay money. He's, he's got my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, one. Oh, well. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, there's not really much else to... How long have we been... Holy, we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it, Danny. <laughs> It's it's effortless when I'm with you, Scott. Oh, that's you're all right. <laughs> um, well, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah. Well, we don't really have a sign. I'm starting to worry that, like, because I'm sitting and you're making all these amazing points, and sometimes I'm just like, <laughs> it's like, am I just gonna be a catalyst for your film genius so that? Because you need someone to talk to, you can't just sit and ramble into a microphone about movies for another twenty minutes. <laughs> Danny Jones to... is too modest to uh, to comment on this. <laughs> well, um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I like this audio format. Yeah, it's much easier to do. Than I think we should video. end with a handshake and see if we can get the noise. Do you want so, to do so, like yeah. a? So, so near your mic, we'll do it near okay. your mic. <laughs> People heard the slap. <laughs> they didn't hear the shaking, <laughs> so it doesn't make a noise. Signing off. Signing off. Bye, everyone.